you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Give me some of that, mm-mm, yeah, meat falls off the bone, and oh, baby, I'm hungry, I said, baby, you're hungry. Is that a Nerdist podcast? Give me some meat. <laughs> N-E-R-D-I-S-T, I need the... Oh, Mr. Spriggs. Remember 2009? I remember 2009. I remember going to Mr. Spriggs with Cody Fisher. Oh, Cody, that's inter- Cody's Internet Safari. It was pre-proto-safari. Oh, <laughs> web soup days. Yeah, that was the bit that they uh, that they were like, we should do more bits with Cody. I was like, well, that was kind of a one-off idea of mine. they're still airing them on G4. They are. <laughs> and those that residual checks. Dead. That, what was that? <laughs> those residual checks just keep no. on. No, no. Keep on not coming. Oh, I just thought they were uh, building up. I thought I had to go G4 down to the bank. Weird satellite. Yeah, and it's just like this sentient, partially sentient device that yeah. just has a handful of files that yeah. it's just replaying so over weird. and over yeah, again. Every once in a while, I'll just get like someone tweeting at me going, sports ball. I go, ah, uh, yes. How about that? How about sports ball? Office parkour. 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 I, I saw a, a gif of uh, you doing the walk, the wall climb thing. And, uh, we, we're, we had the um, uh, putting up all the... Kids, like it was like the office people's kids' right. pictures, and then you just do a walk on it and then slam a face. Did they put a gift next to it of the office ripping it off? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was so four, brutal. Four months later. I was so brutal. Uh, uh, this is a hostful intro, it turns out. No, uh, it's not a complete hostful intro. No, because Matt Myra's not here. People will get very upset if you call I'm it a hostful I'm not saying. He's still doing the podcast. He's just working on at midnight right No, now. I know he is. You don't have to tell me that. No, I'm, I'm telling you, but I'm just hoping that they'll overhear. I don't know. I think they kind of glaze over these parts. I don't know. Uh, guys, can you just give us a second, please? Jonah, you really got to stop talking about them like they're not here because it's very rude. Well, they can't, they, they're going to just fast forward it. There's a thing where you can just do the like a sped up. They're stupid. <laughs> Listen, you don't got to tell me that. That's all we ever talk about. Fine. So we're going to go back and we're going to finish this intro and we're going to talk to them like we, first of all, appreciate all this dumb nerd bullshit. Uh, and secondly, I just want to fucking just be like for one day. The Not playoffs these... are this weekend. I want to talk about the playoffs. God, you know these you things? You think it's easy for me? You know these fucking glasses I've been wearing the past Those four are bad for your eyes. I, they're they're just, actually going to ruin your vision. Yeah, and it hurts by the back of my ears. I know, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> fucking plaid shirts and the whole Seriously. fucking, oh, give me a break. You like, and I oh. have so much pussy to go through after this. Dude, are you kidding me? And I have to spend my time fucking going, <laughs> Zombies! Star Wars! Star Wars! Zombies! Oh, like I give a shit. Like I give a shit about any of that stuff, man. I've not seen one episode of Walking Dead ever. (laughs) 
What the fuck is Walking Dead? I don't know. Is that the reason you can't hang out on Sundays? Yes. Fucking A. I That's when the big games they are. Just tell me to sit on a chair and act excited. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I can't remember the last time you were legitimate. Actually, I do remember the last time. It was when the Niners were in the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> remember when you couldn't fucking stay down, <laughs> All right. Okay. You got okay. wasted that man. Okay. 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 Hang on. Ready? Okay. Uh. Anyway, Walking Dead's gonna be great this weekend. I love it. I can't get enough of this zombie stuff. Sports are dumb. This episode is Jason Schwartzman, who uh, could have been the fourth member of the Nerds Podcast gang. Yeah, I, I I remember the first time he was on. It was great. I wasn't here for this one, and I was kind of bummed. But you did in New York, so we, I did it in New York when yeah. I was out there for New York Comic Con. He's, yeah. he's out there. But he's a delight. He is a, one of the sweetest, most gracious, lovely people that you could ever... So wonderful. And he, the first time he came on the podcast, I was so surprised that he actually listened to the podcast. Yeah. And he still does. It's still, he's still... When people are like, oh, I listen, I'm like, what? You do? Like, it's still, it's still weird that people actually listen. Yeah. Yeah. I just this. thought, like, it was those fucking nobodies that listen to us, not these fucking superstars. I meant anyone, not just famous people. Are there any other kind of famous people? I don't know. No. He was so delightful the first time that he came on the show. And, of course, it was like, we got to get you back. But it still took a couple years because of scheduling and things get busy. And he's in New York. And I'm here. What's that voice? I don't know. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, wow, you finally got tired of talking. Why are you down there? <laughs> <laughs> Your jaw just... <laughs> Get him his chai. <laughs> well, it's the Nerdist Podcast number 585. It's 72 D's Grease. <laughs> Hey, coming up on the weekend. Coming up on the weekend. Traffic on the ones. So uh, I went. Out, I was in New York for New York Comic Con. I got to sit down with Jason. Uh, his movie Listen Up, Philip, is in theaters October seventeenth. Nice. Which I believe is the day that this drops. So that is right now. You can go see Listen Up, Philip right after this podcast. Uh, before and after, you can listen to the podcast, watch the movie, and uh, here's the nurse podcast number five eighty five with the wonderful Jason Schwartzman. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey. Hi. Hi. Oh, you sound terrible. Oh, it's okay. Feel fine. This is my voice. So tell me in great detail everything that's happened for the last week. Why are you? Where are you staying while you're here? Laryngitis. How do you deal with that? So I don't understand. It's like yeah. It's it's it's. uh, I feel fine. I had to. I've had. I've had that before. What what one time I completely lost my completely lost my voice, and it's freaky because. You're just so you take it for granted that yeah. when you start when you engage that muscle that uh, sound is going to come out. And uh, do you want to sit there? Wherever you want. Okay, here. Yeah. Let, let, here. You want to yeah. Sit here. Sit here. Yeah. So we pick you up. Right here. Great. Um, and uh, and I, I, I had no voice. And I was supposed to perform. It was during a San Francisco Sketch Comedy Festival in like 2008, maybe 2009. Mm-hmm. And it was the one time when I met Robin Williams. 
and he was backstage at this at this place called uh, it was in Mill Valley, which is just outside of San Francisco. It's where a lot of a lot of wealthy hippies live, and uh, and he was so awesome, and he was riffy and everyone, and I couldn't. I just couldn't get my voice, and I had to perform. Like I had to perform, and he was there, but I couldn't. It wasn't. It was like oh, it wasn't right because my, I didn't have a voice. That's so it we do of, take it for granted. We do. It's we do true, take it for true. granted. And um, it's probably frustrating for someone like you who is a communicator. Yeah, some people, it's fine if they lose their voice because they don't really talk much in the first place. But <laughs> you have a lot of ideas and. Well, everything I do, like, if the internet died and I lost my voice, those are the two things that would kill everything I do. Well, how do you, do you have to, do you protect your voice? Do you take precautions? No. I should. I, before I did my special, I was meeting with, um, a voice coach for a while. You were? Yeah, because I, I, I don't, uh, I don't talk properly, like, I, I strain to get out, and so when I'm on stage and I'm, you know, like I get very projecty, but not in the, not in the proper theater way. No, yeah, yeah. And then I discovered that what was killing my voice was the hands-free option in my car. Ah. Oh. Because I was constantly like, "Hey, I'm on the phone and I'm in traffic." Like I was constantly just like shouting at this tiny yeah. microphone in the car, and so I switched to just the headset, and that actually that wow. helped a lot. Interesting. Do you, are you a Howard Stern fan? Yes, but I don't... Not to the extent where I listen often. Well, no, he just... He says that he figured out the trick to his... Protecting his voice and talking correctly was that when he is in his studio, he... Uh, in his headphones, he puts a lot of compression on his... <clears throat> on his voice... The, the compression effect... Sure. On his voice so that he can... Really, he talks quietly, but it's... So it booms. And yeah. booms in his, yeah, and he... Feels that he has to. He doesn't have to speak as. Um, well, there's a performance mode. Probably. There's a performance mode that I think a lot of that I certainly get into, which is a. Oh, you were looking on your recording device. I thought there was a performance mode. No, yeah, it. yeah, it's a performance <laughs> mode, and it just makes you sound cooler. This is the one with the performance. Yeah, it's got the. That's why you get the H1 because it, it kicks you into performance mode. I got it. It's like turbo for the voice. I'm gonna get one. Um, and, and now I've just realized that uh, you know you've said your voice is raspy and how people make you talk, and now I'm about to make you talk for a while. No, I, it's, if there's any time to be raspy and, <laughs> and make the time, listen, I want to... Well, you should, you should use it and just make it feel like you're just really... I know. Like, like hey. really deep. Hey, man. Yeah, it's where it's film, you know, fucking... Hey, man. Thanks for having me. What can you say? Just been staying out of trouble. <laughs> just, you know, just do you, man. Just, I'm just here, man. Just, just It's a pleasure to see you on the East Coast. <laughs> here we are in New York. How was your morning? I heard you had a wild morning. It was a while. Hey, can you talk about it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I did. Um, I did a Keanu Reeves podcast, and, and as I said before, it was shorter than we're because he was during a junket day, so they would only give us a half hour, yeah. and it was like exactly a half hour. And what I realized is that it, you really need that extra thirty minutes. I mean, he was he was amazing, yeah. but it you know, and it was super super fun. But there were so many other things that I wanted to cover, and a half hour, like, a half hour is just when a podcast is, like, really kicking into gear mm-hmm. to really start getting personal, you know, and, uh, but he was great. Yeah. He's a comedy fan. He talked about seeing Sam Kinison perform, and wow. so he was uh, super cool. When it's uh, confined about a time like that in 30 minutes, do you have to come in armed with kind of more of a, of a game plan as to what you want to talk to him about, or? I probably should have. 
it was just more. Um, I just bounced around a lot because there were so many. There were just so many different things to try to cover with him. And uh, what's the first thing you said? Um, I think I told this story about how I was at a party like. It was a long time ago because I was still drinking at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was just sitting in a chair. And I was kind of in the corner sort of freaked out that I'm at a party that Keanu Reeves was at because I just did not get invited to things. And he's just sitting in a chair, almost just sort of just looking very meditative. And this girl, this beautiful girl, just like sat in his lap and started making out with him. And for some reason I just didn't get the sense that they came there together. It uh. felt to me like... Some girl just, like, this is what happens when you're Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves. And it, and, and it made me kind of want to, it was like, That's what is bad. that? How's that happen? Such a great story. How's that work? That's, yeah, I've never, I've, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. See, I'm not. I've never even seen anything like that in my life. I'm not, I'm not cool enough to roll with stuff like that. Like, the comic in me would be like, oh, we're doing this now? Like, I would have to comment oh, yeah. on it, and that would totally take the other person out of it. Oh, I, uh. I, I understand completely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Okay, sorry. No, no. Come I, on. I know it's that's the truth. I, I, everything. I mean, I if a if a girl sat on my lap, um, and just started kissing me, and in this concept with someone that I didn't really know, um, it would be so odd. Well, first of all, your wife and might I, be like, "Hey, what's that all about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, and and my wife, you know. It would be weird for her, but, but, but I think that. It, but I, I think, like you just said, I probably would. I wouldn't be able to roll with it uh, because I think that takes a certain um, conditioning or something. That's like someone who's been playing soccer all their life, and because of all of the the training they've done when they were little, they just have a great body f- for the rest of their lives with very little work. They're right. just they're conditioned. So perhaps that's something that um, if that happens to you enough. You don't have to comment on it because it's just it's like getting a it's like getting a well, the comic gene though like kills everything. I'm just I'm I'm gonna start this recording on this too, just in case this the H one has never failed me, but just in case, just to be is that safe. the that's the bigger one? It is the bigger one. How do you like it? I love it. It's really? good. Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, it, it the comic gene always gets in the way. It, I think sometimes people, you know, if they say to a significant other like. Oh my god! It must be so fun to date a. Com- I don't think I don't know how fun I don't know because the comedy thing just like there's you have to learn. It's almost like it's almost like Bruce Banner. It's like you have to learn how to control it. Like yeah. I've had 37 days without a comedy incident. <laughs> I know. My, yeah, my. Uh, but see, I it, it's funny because like I I think that um, the great one of the most beautiful skills is to be able to bring levity to a situation. And um, there's nothing better than someone who has that kind of wisdom. And it doesn't even have to be a, someone by, by trade who's um, getting paid to make people laugh, but just, you know, in those terrible moments, someone who makes the great joke and then um, and makes everyone laugh. But, yeah, they put the comedy gene or that need like to make a joke all the time <laughs> can definitely like, become hard for the people around that person if they're tra- trying to truly have a moment because it does seem because to them and maybe in truth it's true that it seems like a a deflection or a way to not really sure. be in it um, 
and maybe that's the truth. Who knows? I I feel sometimes like I've been told things that are powerful to someone or a secret, and the first one that will pop in my mind usually is a way to make it into something that wouldn't make but make a make a a joke or make them laugh but really it's more for them to try to I guess it's maybe comes from like a place in me to make them for them it's my way of saying like don't feel embarrassed about what you're saying right uh, or or that you can't trust me right I guess it's like a way to try to like undercut the moment and its power, but undercut it in a great way. Sure. But it comes off the wrong way, usually. Because cause a joke can give you the sense that you're in control of a situation. But, yeah. you know, for that one moment where someone makes where someone makes a comment that just perfectly diffuses and makes everyone feel it, you know, there's probably a thousand whiffs. <laughs> Not that there it didn't work that took for that person to get to that point. I know. It's because it's a it's a true it's a whiz it's a why it's a powerful skill to really be able to do. It. It's why I never related to other kids when I was growing up. I mean, like so many, I have such vivid memories of, for lack of a better term, I call it like normies, like people who are normal and don't have to make jokes all mm-hmm. the time. They don't really understand. A lot of them don't really understand it. And so when you when you do it when you swing and miss, mm. you know, just, I'm very familiar with that reaction where people are like. <laughs> Okay, you know, like I fucking hate that reaction so I much, know. and I, I had it a lot. Was that? Or how, what, did you have that when you were growing up? Yeah, I think that um, I I I have. Uh, it's it's weird, like with with memories and stuff, but um, I think I definitely had it more with girls, probably. Mm-hmm than guys because my school was um, not a humongous school where I think it just gets super click heavy right where those are the jocks those like in my school it was so small that there it wasn't it was intermingled a bit more like our our, we weren't very good at sports so our we had jocks but they were not they would not be jocks at any other school. So, you know, it was not yeah. like, so it was, it, it wasn't like a division one school in all respects. Um, <laughs> but um, that said, there, you know, there always will be divisions. Um, and um, I would say that, like, most of my great friends were odd, but also, like, one of my, my best friends, this, uh, man named Amos Buhai, like he's one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life, like to this day. And um, he was the student body president, so it wasn't like, and he was odd. I mean, odd. I mean, we very bizarre things. How so? Um, just we were just we would the things that were um, uh, in any other school would be the normies versus the unnormies. Yeah, and. Um, you know, just things like, just what you do in high school. Like we all planned our friends at the finals and the finals when we walked up in, in the big auditorium and handed our paper. Everyone had to take off their shirt, um, <laughs> so we just like took off our shirts and handed them the paper. Just little things like that. But they weren't. It wasn't like it wasn't. We didn't get a lot of normie looks. Right. We got laughs, 
um, I guess maybe that was a school, but I feel like from girls, maybe I got a bit more like, huh? Um, not from guys as much. Um, but, um, for sure I didn't, like, that said, it's funny, like, you say I felt like an outsider. Did you say I felt like an outsider? Oh, I, I didn't feel like it. I was, yeah. completely. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, felt, felt, uh, I had the be- best friends and I felt so good. I had, I had great people around at the same time, around me, but at the same time I felt, um, uh, also s- very separate, um, sometimes, and, um... I don't know, I think that's why, like, music and movies and stuff play are so wonderful, because it becomes, like, this, you know, like, cliche headphone, kid with headphones on. Yeah. It's a meaningful thing, it's a real, it's a real feeling, it's a real feeling of, acceptance isn't the right word, but a place that you can go where, like the song In My Room, yeah. by the Beach Boys really kind of sums it up. But, um, you know, it's funny, I, I really think about this a lot with, how I relate to kids, and I remember, like, um, my my little cousin Gia, and then my niece and nephews, being little and being able to make them laugh and be making jokes and stuff. At a certain point, that not working anymore, <laughs> and 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 getting a lot of looks from them and things like I remember one of them saying, I think, like, why are you so crazy? Right. And it was odd because I. I didn't know then how to relate to them, and what? How do you go from Coco Snoopy pants um, <laughs> to um, how uh, how is school going for you? You know, it's a, right. it's a hardship. And uh, how is Coco Snoopy pants? Yeah, how, <laughs> have you heard from Coco Snoopy? Is, is Snoopy pants good? Yeah, I, I I didn't understand that. Also, boogers? No, yeah, not, not anymore. Not anymore. Hard boogers. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I definitely feel that with my daughter, like. Um, I relate. We are the best of friends, and we're nuts together. And I'm sort of dreading the day when she's like, "You're weird, Dad." You're, and and, there and will I, be a that, point where you're going to cramp her style. Yeah, and that's um. So I'm just trying to get away with murder, I guess, at this point. And uh, and but it's something that I think. But well, you about. and your daughter go murder people together? Yeah, yeah. That's sort can, of crazy. Well, that's how you entertain her. Well, we look, these are the perks. <laughs> these are some of the perks. No one so, would suspect a child murderer. And that's and that's and that's really why we had kids. Uh, we really had to scratch that itch, but I couldn't afford to take. No, I couldn't afford to go away to prison. And you can't take the career hit. No, I, I, I just things are. You know how this business yeah, of is. Of course. If you're out for one second, I yeah. mean, you're. Yeah. It's they're waiting to keep. I mean, listen, on you. if they could, if they could imprison you like in a recording studio and you had a web, uh, some. I'll tell them all on my television. Yeah, exactly. But until that happens, yeah, because they're not going to send her to jail. How old is she? Like four now? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you be... can't. They try. They can't even try her really even as a minor. Yeah. She's too young to be a minor. Yeah, Your Honor, could this child really stab through this man's vest? I mean, yeah. I don't think so. Especially with that straw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's offended. <laughs> Exhibit A, the crazy straw. But uh, no, it's uh, it's 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 funny. And then there's things with children too that these are you know this is all very personal stuff to talk about. But the other day we were, my daughter and I were just so goofy and have fun, and we were out with one of her friends, and we were my, she was like making all this stuff and the kid we were with was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it was a normie, as you say. Right. My daughter was, seemed like she, I felt like, oh, um, because of my ways of 
being silly around her, did I like set a style or a tone for what is the way to party and interact with people <laughs> and uh, have I set her up for these looks that you're describing? But that's just life and you just do you know. Honestly, I think it's I think it's a much more interesting path yeah. than you know like I, I wouldn't of course I didn't feel this way at the time, but I would not go back and be a normal kid. Yeah. Because I feel like it would have robbed me yeah. of all the things that I became yeah. interested in and, yeah, right. and all the paths that I sure. went down if I if everything was just super super easy. So I, it's hard to tell someone that too, uh, uh my like my, my cousin Gia growing up I remember had um like it seemed like she was or just my nieces and nephews too seemed you know normal things of getting picked on and you just want to say it doesn't really matter just do your just do your thing and um they'll they'll you know what I mean it's uh when someone's great how do you let someone know they're great and really try to get that through it's a it's a hard thing but yeah for sure like um but but there's there's two kinds of people who feel like outsiders and it's a I admire the level exhibit A outsider which is the one that is an outsider and doesn't give a shit right and it's like you know fuck you and yeah. they, they want to be separate I felt an outsider but I wanted to be <laughs> to be liked and yeah, of course that's, me too um, so uh, when I hear uh, interviews like with people or read interviews with people that just always knew they were different and that was just the way it was I'm like oh so um, so admirable. I got a question though, whether yeah. or not that is real. Like if they're if they really if they are that if they were that cavalier about yeah, it when they were younger, or who knows, yeah. does everyone feel? I mean, I wonder if everyone just feels like outcast sure. when they're young. Yeah, because you really, you know, you're, you're sort of just navigating this course that there's no real map to, yeah. and you're just sort of guessing, and you know. But I do think there are some people that it, shit comes easier for, but. I think if you were to go back and talk to people that you thought had it super figured out when they were young, they'd be like, I didn't know what I was I'll doing. I'll tell you one thing, though. I, um, I, I recently had a part in a Tim Burton movie, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, as you know, I mean, that's very exciting. Of course. And his movies were very meaningful to me, and, um, but because I wasn't, I had a smaller part, he was focused on a much bigger picture. I wasn't going to most likely have a lot of time to sit and t- talk to him. And um, for me, that's like a very important thing is to feel like the director, like we, we can, the, I can spend time with the director and kind of just by, just by gauging how they react to things, sort of know maybe what they want when we go to work mm-hmm. so that like, we can be efficient. Right. Because I could throw out a lot of bad ideas, so if I can <laughs> sort of know what the, where the fence is, it will help me. And, but I knew I wasn't going to be afforded that luxury, so I bought these um, interviews. Like, I think Burton on Burton, just all of his interviews. Uh, Faber, the publishing company, does all these um, directors, like uh, Cassavetes on Cassavetes, it's just mm-hmm. all there. And, and one thing you see when you read his book that's so fascinating is that he's basically always been the same guy, but in a great way. I mean, he's obviously grown, but his core set of principles, even from like the first interview in 1984 or whatever, it's, uh, he's always been saying the same thing. It's pre- at, at a young age, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it's totally, it's totally there as a who he is and what he is interested in and... 
finds uh, fascinating, it's totally realized at a young age. It's amazing. Well, yeah, especially with that guy, you... I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's certainly evolved and grown yes, in ways, yes. but his vision seemed so clear from the get-go, and yeah. it was so like, this is this! Exactly. Even his drawings as a kid, yeah. you have them, and it's, it's exactly... It's all those weird, like, wor- like striped wormy things. I know. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's so fascinating. It's like when someone puts out a first record that's instantly the sound of the band. Right. You know, right there. Which can be also become a liability at some sure. point. If sure. if it's after a couple of times yeah. of that and then people are like, oh, but you already did that. I'm like, yeah, but this is my voice. I'm like, well, hey, I don't know. Do something else. I don't know. So tricky. It's kind of like running the, like, the first day of school, you go to PE class, you have to, we always had to run a mile and they would time it and then through the rest of the year you would be graded on your mile and it's kind of like those guys that just they want to really run fast the first day I always say walk the first mile <laughs> build up yeah you come in at a 16 minute mile yeah uh, and, and just walk it mm-hmm. and uh, that way you can always that's smarter that's much smarter it's, it looks defeatist but it's really optimistic it's funny I mean like it, it, it really it so clearly ties together with what you were just saying about entertaining children you know when you think about like you know, like, I remember when The Strokes came out. Yeah. And it was like, this sound, it's so different. Yeah. And then after, like, the second or third album, they were kind of getting shit for it. But they were probably like, well, I don't understand. This is what we, this is what we do. Yeah, and the second kinda... album, I think, is, is my, it's amazing. And uh, I, love, I love all their music. They're great and, and seem so sweet. Yeah. But it, it's, it's funny that you can, you know, that an audience can sort of be like children in a way. And like... But this this worked before. I don't under, I don't understand. It must be confusing. Yeah. It must be confusing. Julian Casablancas, I think, is so talented. It's unbelievable. And um, even his new record, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's so ambitious and very wild. And I, I love it. And I just like smile when I listen to it because it's it's taking so many um, just bold choices. And I, I really admire. I think he's great, and I I love them. And and I've been really stuck on. Um, every year, when it's my birthday, I start a new playlist. In I'm, when's your birthday? It's November twenty third, and so I'll start a new music playlist that is named after that what my age is, and then mm. so whatever songs I'm listening to throughout the year, I'll just throw in this playlist. So it's just sort of it's kind of like just a musical diary of my of year. that of the year before. Yeah, of yeah. each year. Yeah. Like as I when I find that I'm kind of stuck on a song, I'll throw it in the playlist yeah. so that it it just sort of anchors all the emotions yeah. or whatever I was feeling. And there is an amazing um, Punch Brothers cover of Reptilia huh. uh, wow. that is so fucking good. But it's 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 that but bluegrass. I'd love to hear that. I will pl- I will play it for you. Uh, it's really, but it, it well here yeah I'll just I'll just I'll just play a second for you right now since since we're here and you know we can ultimately do whatever we want. Um, where are you? Where are you? Here it is. Strings being hit. The hit, like percussion. It's awesome. Do you know these guys, the Bunch Brothers? I don't. I don't know any records. I know. I know who they are. 
I've probably listened to this a hundred times in the last week. I'm not going to make a sip of the whole thing. No, I Is that live or something? Yeah, they're doing it at a radio station. It has that uh, echo. Yeah, that echo and the reverb. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Do you ever want to? Are there songs you want to? Co- do you ever? Do you do you have like a oh. cover list, where you, of of stuff where you're like, oh, I gotta someday. I'm just. Well, you know that's such a. I think that covers. I love uh, covers and. But. It's so tricky. I mean, I think like to put out a cover, in a way like to release a cover. I don't know if I. I don't have any plans to do anything like that, but. Um, I believe, just as with any like thing that one does, um, regularity and constant, um, just constant playing is 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 great for you know if, for acting anything. And music, I think the more you can do it, the better. And um, I try to play music every day, but or and, and come up with ideas. Uh, that are ter- even if they're terrible, it just feels good to do. But I think that even um, just look, putting on, like, putting on a record and listening to it and learning it, and and trying to see what the songwriter was uh, sort of thinking when they wrote it um, is so beneficial. So I don't necessarily cover songs and record them to, as a thing to do. But I love to learn other people's songs. Oh, nice! Um, just for my own sake, and I try so hard to not do it by looking at a book or right. looking up the chords, because even if it takes two hours, that's a great two hours. I think of just struggling to learn something, and I'm not saying learn it in the exact way they're really doing it with the you know the voicings and stuff, but just the basic chord progression. Learning it, trying to learn it by ear and messing around is fun and also can lead to, you can mess up and be like, oh, that, that might be good for something I could do. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've covered some songs on my own. One that I really loved, uh, one song that I love is the song C- Candy Says by the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it's the most bizarre chord progression and... Um, I just love that, but I don't have like a repertoire of cover songs that I could just rip out of my bag pocket. So, so if we if we came over to your house, you wouldn't be like more than a feeling. Like you have your like no. your bar covers that you would uh, break into that, and then like Brown Eyed Girl, and I have a couple that I could do that would either make you some I've learned to just make people smile, uh-huh. um, and then some I could probably do. But I usually like you could tell that I. Gave up. 
because I can only really get to like just into the bridge, and then I kind of go, and you know, the rest yeah, of I mean, thing. I don't want to. So I give up. I mean, I, I give up. But um, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> met Michael Sarah before, but oh, we, not really. Like we've sort of met briefly. So, yeah. I don't know if you know he's an incredible musician. He right. actually released a record this year, and um, but he really takes the time. Like he'll be like, you want to play? Want to do the song together? And. Uh, we'll play it, and I'll just kind of like be faking it, and then he'll like do this solo note for note, and he learns how to play everything exactly like it's oh. yeah, John, and that's impressive. I, I'm sort of like, I'm just like I, I do it. My approach to covering a piece of music or learning it is kind of like an adult at a park with his kids. Mm-hmm. I sort of play. But then I say, go, run. Go. I kind of give up. I kind of give up. They go, let's play. No, no, I'll be down here. I'll be the monster that doesn't get up from the bench. You come over here. And then... <laughs> like, I'll be the guy. you got to come scare me. Yeah. I'll, be, you, I'll be asleep and you got to come. Yeah. I'm to... I'm wet. No, it's like for Halloween. It's like, no, I'm an alien disguised as a human. That's... That's my approach to yeah, I'm an alien disguised as the guy from Rushmore. You strike me as someone who gets it together for Halloween. <laughs> I usually do get it together for Halloween. You have it together yet? No, not yet. And it's late. It's We're mid-month, man. And I'm really worried See, about that's it. that's amazing that you'd even say that because I never get it together until... Oh, fuck. Well, I've just been... There isn't anything that I feel like... I mean, with Halloween costumes, it can be very tricky because... Or with co- co- cosplay in general, you're like, well... I want it to be good. Yes. But I don't have too much time. I mean, for me, I don't have too much time spending it. But how? But I don't want it to be one that everyone... It's like, an easy one could be like, oh, I'll just be Star-Lord because Guardians yeah. was great. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but everyone's going to be Star-Lord this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Even though I think Chris Pratt and I have similar... Fa- like, we have yeah, similar yeah. coloring. Yeah. And so it'd be really easy to do... It'd be easy to yes. do that one. Um, I don't have an eight pack uh, yeah. and my uh, my abs. You are you are fit, but I'm I'm in good shape. But I'm not like I, you can't, you know, like you you couldn't you couldn't have like the labyrinth marble game through my yeah, abs yeah, yeah, and then yeah. watch it go. Yeah, um, I kind of just belly danced for you, which was very weird. No, I like it. You, uh, I like that you were playing your own. I was playing game. my own style. I would yeah. play your. Oh, I would like to oh play yeah, the tilt. And I, so, so I don't know what the costume's going to be this year. I really don't. What were you last year? Um. What was I last year? Shit. God, I can't even remember now. I, the, the days for me... Do you find the days are just... Well, I'm living so much in my short-term memory. Yeah. Because I have to just like get done everything that I can get done in a day, and then the next day it starts all over. I'm missing I'm so swaps. Curious. Well, I'm so curious because I, um, I love your show, and I have also other podcasts that I listen to, and you by far have the quick... You always have new people... Are you literally doing them every day? Uh, no, I, I think it's... We usually do... <laughs> we record like three to five a week. And they're okay. just sort of sandwiched in. So is the rest of... Like, how do you manage your day? It's funny, this morning I got up, I was like, I wonder what we're going to talk about. I was thinking, oh, the one thing I would really love to talk to him about is how he manages his time. Oh, I well, I, basically... I I studied time management when I started getting my shit together about mm-hmm. six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I was reading time management books and just like dumb business books about how to manage things and time and how to manifest intentions and all this stuff. And just because I was such a fuck yeah. up before, so I'm like, well, even if this stuff doesn't, even if it's dumb, at least it's better than what I was doing right. before. 
And so I started to learn how to create these kind of like modular pockets in the day and what's my optimal performance rate at how long before I start to check out, like huh. what, how, how, you know, so you can, you know, huh. if you, if you just, if you do, if you, if you just for a couple days, just have a timer with you and every time you start a new task, you just start it, you start the timer and then you forget about it until you're done with the task and then you can turn it off and then it starts to give you a sense of like, oh, so this is how long it takes me generally to do, so to do this. Like, you know that if you're going to write for a half hour, it might take you 12 or 15 minutes before you really are mm -hmm. kicking into your mode. Mm -hmm. And sort of understanding your personal data like that mm. gives you a much better sense of, okay, well, I can sandwich in a writing thing at this time of the day because I know that this mm -hmm. is how. And then you can actually start improving on it a little bit. So, hmm. But honestly, now... I have a really amazing assistant who has also taken a lot of the logistical work mm -hmm. off my shoulders and sh everything is like, if you look at my calendar, it's, I have like six different color calendars and everything is just very perfect. And are you, what happens though if, um, when you have a calendar and it's set up and someone has to change something? Mm-hmm. Um, Which always happens. And, and how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with taking that kind of a... Curveball. You have to be willing to lose things, and then you you know you have this sort of internal priority system where you go, well, this person can go a half hour later. Can I shift the thing later? Can I flip flop it? Is that other thing something that's essential for the day? Mm. It's it really is just you know you have this sort of like DefCon mm -hmm. uh, scale in your head where you go, well, this must get done today because I will never mm. you know see this. I'll never get this other opportunity. I'll never yeah. just get this again. And this other person can move. And so you just, you, you figure out how to be flexible right. and you, you do try to keep some holes here and there for those eventualities. And you're like, okay, well I kept yeah. this hole on Thursday so I can shift this over to Thursday. And huh. if you don't have to do that, then I know, like I get, I, I, I get like, um, I get excited for like, uh, I, I don't want to call them like micro vacations, but I know that if I have three hours off at any point, I get very excited about that because I just three hours that I have. What do you do? Um, I you I don't lie around. Um, lately, it's been furniture shopping because I'm trying oh. to buy furniture for a house, or you know, um, I don't know something that what I really should do is nothing. Right. But I'm really terrible at that. But sometimes doing nothing can could could maybe take the wind out of your sails a little and slow you down and you have to like re-ramp like sometimes it's good to keep, keep going well but you're busy and you have a child too which I would imagine takes up well that's why I'm trying to ask you about it because I think <laughs> it's a it's a work in progress oh yeah and, and you cannot predict uh, with your child I would imagine it's not like oh well she's going to want to play from two to four and then right. you know like it's there she's kind of I would imagine relatively unpredictable in that way yeah it's 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 a it's both it's like sometimes uh, it's pretty pre I mean it can be pretty regimented and then at the same time yeah there's things that you just can't cannot account for that affect things so you try to build in um, a little padding like you're saying you would have but to be flexible and patient as a parent do you work out yeah. So that's in your schedule? Three times a week. When is that? In the morning? It's in the morning. Before anything happens? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Early? It's not super early because, I mean, I work out at 
it's not bad. I work out at nine on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then noon on Saturdays. But but when you're when I exercise at nine, that means I usually have to get up at seven because I have to eat by seven thirty, so that mm-hmm. by nine. Because if you eat too close to exercising, That's you right. will want to puke your lungs out. And you want to exorcise. You want to exorcise and evacuate the contents yeah, yeah. Of, of your body. And um, But if you don't eat, then you will fucking die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you go to and you have like, someone that helps you work out and stuff? I have a trainer. I've had the same guy for like nine years. I'm going to call that guy. He's amazing. He's in Los Angeles. He's in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's I amazing. Love, I would love to. I love him because he's, he's not... Um, He's not a I will break you kind of a trainer. He's a he you know he'll when you get there he's like how are you feeling today and then you can tell him exactly how you feel, and his whole goal is to make sure that you leave feeling better than when you got there. And some days that's more intense, and other days it might just be stretching and a little bit of cardio stuff. Hmm. But he is determined that you will leave feeling better. Can our some days just go and have a cup of coffee and talk about things? No, <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of the days, you know, it's not like I fucking want to get up and eat at 7.30 in the morning, but I just know that, you know, I I think our brains are um, usually just concerned with short-term happiness, and so your brain, most people think that what their brain is telling them is law, like, well, if your brain tells you this, it must be true, it's like, no, your brain has good intentions, but those aren't always the best things for you, so if your brain says, like, don't get up now, you don't have to get up now, why would you want to go exercise, you don't have to do that. And you go, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, you just have to ignore oh. it. And then it, it's it's better for your long-term happiness. I agree. I'm so... No, I'm. it, it sounds like... Well, I had a revelation the other day that I was talking to my neighbor. And I said, isn't this weather beautiful? Uh, it's crazy. And he was like, yeah. And I realized the look on his face is that he thought this was small talk. And I realized that, to me, that's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> is the weather, or what did you have for breakfast, or what is your daily routine like yeah um more than um what was it like when this person died right in a weird way i love to know about what was the weather like when that person died? yeah what was the weather like what did you do? what did you have for breakfast today at the funeral um but um but like uh i, I love that stuff and i i got a great book is it called i think it's called daily rituals it's a book it might be called either daily rituals daily habits i think it's daily rituals and it's um i don't know what you kind of call this kind of book but it's uh, uh, a collection of little mini biographies but just about people's creative habits Mm -hmm. from um, Frank Lloyd Wright to uh, Gustav Mahler to like just songwriters actors and through I guess interviews someone compiled sort of quick way to digest what people's work habits are like. Mm-hmm. It's totally fascinating because it's totally different for I everybody. I love to read that. It's fa- I, 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 I've bought this book for people. It's just fun and you... What's really interesting is a lot of writers, for instance, um, are... They're so different and... But all of them do build into the day time to do nothing. Ugh, yeah. uh, they get up have breakfast, drink coffee, read the paper, take a shower, dilly-dally, think about what they're going to write, settle down to write, and then write for eight hours straight. And uh, that seems, uh, you know, incredible to be able to have that. And then have dinner at midnight, two more hours of writing, then to bed. Well, uh, up at ten. I think it's not, at, you know, unfortunately, I think the more responsibilities you have and then the older we get, 
all of the leisure things, yeah. like all the hangouts and everything, it's it the planning of it becomes less sexy because you have to you have to say from eight to eleven will be my leisure time, and this yeah. is when I. But if you don't do that, then months will go by and you haven't seen your friends, you haven't yeah. seen a movie, yeah, yeah, you haven't yeah, yeah. done, you know. I know because you're so especially because you know the the danger of of creative jobs is that they never really end, and so yeah. you could be thinking about songwriting or you could be thinking about yeah. acting or move or anything and or just like computer i mean anything like yeah. it doesn't anything um and that's not work i mean they even it is work it all starts to become like one big thing but you seem to me like you really take time to marvel and appreciate the world well that's because i have a i have a hard time focusing and so i am a bit of a daydream johnny and I will, uh, I wish I was more efficient. And um, so it's not like I take the time on purpose to do it. I end up uh, realizing that I've totally spaced out for an hour. <laughs> and, like, had a really busy day, but why am I at this record store right now? <laughs> like, you know, I kind of like, I space out a little. And um, so it's not like, yeah, I do it on purpose, but I just, like, I think I maybe fundamentally am. Maybe I am lazy fundamentally, um, and um, just I have a bad concept of time, and uh, hopefully we'll get better. But I don't know. It sounds like you just enjoy things. Like I don't. I, I mean, you're obviously not lazy because you. I, I'm lazy. No, but you 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 get stuff done. Mm, it, it's odd how it happens, but uh, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, one thing that I've had to deal with that I think is like really interesting. You're talking about time management. When am I? When is my brain the best? When am I? And then. Can those things, do you work around those things? Or, um, for instance, like, I, well, one time I made a record with this p- producer who he knew I am the best from 12 to 8. Mm-hmm. And that's like the opposite. Like, most like, people in the band, like, they overdo, they're in the studio all night. And, and um, but 12, it was great because you, your ears do get fatigued, maybe. And that was sort of his concept. But naturally, I, my brain, and it's almost like maybe how, I don't know if you felt this way in high school, but like in high school, first period, second period, I mean, I was like, I was the fluorescent lights. <laughs> I was, my eyes were, I, I couldn't keep them open. And um, I was so tired. And um, really about, Two o'clock, like just before school would get out, I'd get really optimistic, and mm-hmm. I think that's my big, big school is going to be over. But right. The, there's something in the air changes, the light becomes different, and my brain like kicks into like, into this day. The day is sort of something that I feel like I've got to just like kind of get through mm-hmm. until it's four or three or four, and then I'm like, um, I want to do everything that was asked of me. I'll organize <laughs> my bookshelves. I will run errands. Anything you'd like, I will do. Uh, and my brain just feels like it's best, and that will continue until about midnight or one. But I feel like I've—I sort of, have, you know—you have to change that once you've got children because you've got to get up with them. But it's been hard uh, because I feel like I'm trying to re—I'm uh, trying to change my natural way of wanting to do things. Which maybe you don't need to do. I mean, it's no. possible that but sleep. They say you know it's the most important thing, and I'll tell you. For various reasons, I've had to be up for over 48 hours multiple times in the last few months. Oh, that's, and not, the other day, that's not good. No, the other day I slept um, 
in the last three, in, not yesterday, but uh, three days ago, for the last three days, that's like five hours in about three days. <sighs> and it was funny because you really can feel the effects. It's amazing. I was talking to somebody, and you know, they'll describe like a fog rolling in out yeah. of nowhere. I was talking to someone, and while I was talking, I had a horrifying moment where I realized I don't know what I'm supposed to be talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just kept going. And then I eventually had to say, what, what is it that you asked me? <laughs> and it's true, the brain, it's amazing. The brain gets so, if it's not rested, uh, it's terrible. And um, so, yeah, rest is very important. Well, I just think that if you start to understand how you are most efficient, like when you're most efficient, how you're most efficient, that it, it takes a lot of pressure off you because you go, oh, well, you know, the deal that you make with yourself is, okay, between this hour and this hour... I can free that up because I know that that's this is how I am during that time. Yeah. As long as you know you keep the other part of the bargain, which is but between this and this, I am going to do the things that I'm supposed to do. Then it just sort of takes the pressure off you, and you don't have to feel like you're not that, doing. That's stuff. fine with me. I mean, in that case, I would just say to people, from nine to about five, I'm pretty much free. I meet you for a movie like, all, all day. I'm free. But at and, five o'clock, I got to go to work. Five o'clock till midnight. Don't talk to me. But then, but see then. Then you then you go do a movie and then that fucks up your schedule because yeah yeah but that's it is that is slightly different I I think my brain like can but I am tired like in the morning I'm I have a hard time but um, just push through that with some music and also I think um, being on a movie set is so different than your day to day life because so much hustle and bustle that it's exciting you know what I mean um, you are I'm, I'm perked up by the communal efforts of making a movie, but if I, you know, if I was alone from those hours, it's, you know, it's hard, but, um, anyway, but I, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about a tired I am, it's like, the <laughs> no, annoying things, so we could, no, but, it's, but I'm, it's more just that I'm interested in other people's, uh, you should get that book. I will. Fan, I, I will, I will send it to you. Well, some people, you know, there's, there's some theories that, boy, you should just sleep, you know. 90 minutes every few hours. Yeah. And never to have, like, a full night. I mean, I don't yeah, know. interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I heard that Edison used to sit in his chair with a weight. Yeah. And then he would, just as he would doze off, and then his hand would relax, he'd drop the weight, and he would snap, too, and, like, that was, like, a micro-nap. You know, I've heard, I've heard, I've never heard that specific story, but I've heard, like, if you want to take a correct nap, you hold a pencil... And if it, when it drops, that's when you... And then when you freak out and jab yourself in the eye with it, you know it's time up. to wake up. A pencil dropping would not wake me up. <laughs> I uh, I will sleep. Uh, I will sleep once I sleep. Uh, if nobody wakes me up, I will sleep forever. Um, uh, not in a deceased way, but basically forever. Recently, because of all this work and stuff, I went to bed at I went to bed at two in the morning, and we didn't have uh, we didn't have work until, for a long time until the next day. And uh, my phone died. It wasn't able to set my alarm. So I plugged it in, and it was charging somewhere else, and I went to sleep. And when I woke up, it was dark outside, and I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it's 5 in the morning. Why can't I sleep? And then I got up and looked, and it was about 6 p.m. So I slept from 2 a.m. to 6 p.m. Holy shit. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Oh, my God. Did you feel... Terrible. Of course you feel terrible. It's just too much sleep. I rushed out of bed. I got out of bed, and... The sun was just setting here in New York, and it looked like people were 
celebrating the end of the most beautiful day they'd ever had. It was like, what a beautiful day. It was, like, it was, the, it was the weather. And it was a feeling of um, almost like homesickness. Like, I miss... I missed, I missed it. Like I missed a loss. I, yeah. It was a loss. I lost a day of my what life. What happened? I don't, you know, because first of all, you don't know where you are. You don't know no, like, what's yeah. I don't, what, ha- what happened. But it was, um, but then I think of those two things, you're never going to get that back. So then you just got to walk around with a smile on your face and go, hmm, that's fun. I had a strange afternoon. But this is my favorite time of year, though. I don't know. I just get so, this sort of like really cool feeling rolls in for me in the fall. Even though mm-hmm. technically, you know, Los Angeles doesn't really have seasons. It's just in, in a week or two, it'll stop being a hundred mm-hmm. degrees. Um, but uh, but just this sort—I don't know. It's just it's a very cozy sort of. Uh, it's a, it's nice. It, it it is nice, and I also associate it with sports. I like sports, watching sports and football, and on Sundays I watch football. My daughter and I make pizza. Oh. We watch football at night together and stuff, and. Maybe one could argue, why are you showing your daughter something so violent? But it's so fun. She really has no <laughs> idea what's going on, and that's sort of what's become surreal about it. I think the important thing is that you guys are spending time yeah, together. Yeah, and with pizza. And you're murdering with her, which I think is a very, which is a bonding We're experience. Killing. Yeah. We're killing. Yeah, the kill room has the cute little bunnies on the yeah, wallpaper. It, yeah, yeah, we have little heads. <laughs> are you, uh, I'm sure that you've brought this up multiple times, but have you ever... I mean, I only just realized how we, how weird or interesting it is that comedians say things murdered or killed mm-hmm. uh, when things are funny and I'm going to slay. Yeah. It's so, uh, destroyed. It is so violent. I'm going to destroy it, killed, it murdered, I murdered, I killed them. I don't know what... I blew them away. I don't know what so, the so etymology funny. of that is. I, I mean, I, I guess it's... Uh... It's probably just like... It's just like... Um, just mowing people down with. Um, I guess. I guess it's just a. It's. It's. I. I've never even say he went up on stage. He was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he smothered the audience. Yeah, he smothered. He uh, yeah. was really funny. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's just you know. It's just the way that that sort of hyperbole sure. that we. It it has to feel intense in some yeah, way, yeah. and there's no. It's almost like there's not a, there's not an equivalent word of joy intensity yeah. that there is of like m- murder yeah. you know is completely uh, that's a very evocative yeah. type of a but you don't hear it with bands like you don't say to a guy like you guys murdered up there yeah um, you got that that you rocked or whatever right and I guess like if someone was on stage I mean I don't know many actors on stage but you wouldn't. Have, you killed them. You killed them. Absolutely murdered them. Music. But it does feel like it, I think, with comedy, it's the best way to say it, I think. It's because you just walk off stage, it's over, and you're going to leave them there, and then someone else comes up. Maybe there's some territorial... I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, actually. I'm really, I'm really, ne- I'm really trying to piece it together. I'm like, well, is it because you're changing the... Because you're completely in control of the environment, and you're you're changing the situation. Yeah. You're completely in control That's what I'm of the saying. situation. Well, like you're... But 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 I feel like you know with music, there's. M- but you do say that song kills me. I guess so. I... But I, you know, I think with comedy, it's so like it's so instantaneous, and I feel like music yeah. can be music is a more prolonged and drawn out enjoyment. Yeah. You know, like it's more of a journey. 
And comedy is more of a quick, like, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Yeah. You know? And unless you're a specific genre of music, like, it's not really, it's yeah. not really that way. Yeah. I don't know. So, ah, it's so probably boring to talk about. But. No, I, I, I actually, I never actually even thought about it. I, I genuinely had never even thought about it before. It was just always been a given. Yeah, I just realized I play uh, someone with a podcast recently uh, in the show I'm doing, Mozart in the Jungle. Uh-huh. And I, I realized that, uh, sorry, I'll tell you about it later, but uh, it's not based on uh, you or anybody, but I think doing your show really was so... Um, Helpful to me for doing that. Well, I mean, you, you were the, I think you were, when you it was like two years, I think, when you came on the yeah. last time because we were still in the E building, but you, uh, you immediately fit in like like right away, so where it sort of felt like, oh yeah, if, if you wanted to do this, you could just be like the fourth guy I, on the podcast. I, I don't want. know how you do it. Now here's, I honestly will tell you this, and uh, it's that. Um, I get really starstruck, and uh, but but oddly, like I, I go from really really starstruck to gushing. If if I do talk to someone who's famous, then I can't hold it together. <laughs> so I, I I'm not in that middle ground where it's like, hey, and I, and I will, you know, where one person who's famous, um, like you'll see like uh, someone who's famous, you know, like. Uh, I don't know, two actors or something will meet each other and they're just like, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, oh, really? uh, I, I will, I don't have the, I will say, oh man, you love that thing or this thing. And um, I would think to have a podcast and to talk to people and really get to know all these people that you've met would be very frightening to me. And a long time ago, like I always had dreamt of wanting, because I love interviews. And I love interview books too, just like long compilations of interviews and or anthologies of them. And thought, oh man, one day I'd love to have a show where I could talk to people. And at one point I was like seriously thinking about it. And my uh, cousin Roman and I were like, let's just rent a space and get a few people, maybe like ask a few um, people that we'd like to talk to, invite them to come talk. And we started to come up with a list of people who could come in and it would be, how about this person? Oh, that'd be amazing. Should we ask him? No. Uh, <laughs> not, I don't want to, I'd be too afraid to talk to them. How about this guy? Oh, man, could you imagine? Let's call him. No way, I'm not going to talk to that guy. Uh, you can talk to that guy. And, and I wonder, like, is, I mean, we talked about this before, but are you nervous? Well, yeah, well, first of all, if you ever want to do that thing, I will pay for it, uh, because uh, you should totally do it. No, uh, I, I don't, I would do it for, um... Uh, but, here's the thing about it, is that, you know, the first, the first, I'm going to say even like three years of the podcast, I used to get a lot of shit from people in reviews and whatever who would say that I basically just slobbered all over everyone. I mean, like, I have that mechanism, but I think part of that is like, A... Well, wait, that's because you, you love these people. I do love these people, and I feel like they are deserving of that, you know? And also, I, I want people to know that they're safe and comfortable and they're appreciated and supported and I feel like that's when mm-hmm. people open up. Um, I've gotten a lot more comfortable. I still geek out on people. Like, I've, I'm here for New York, I was here for New York Comic Con. Yeah. And in the last two days, you know, Thursday I did a panel with uh, Brad Bird and Hugh Laurie and George Clooney and wow. yesterday was Michael Keaton and Edward Norton. Oh, and so it was just sort of like, 
me from two years ago would not have been able to handle that situation very well, and I would have gotten really in my head, and like, mm-hmm. like where you where you feel your your vo- your voices in your throat. Yeah. But honestly, I've done it so much now, and and also I've had a couple experiences with people that were those kind of like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and survived them. Mm-hmm. That I'm just not like, you know. I, I don't know. I've got I've got a lot more comfortable with myself, which is amazing. Maybe yeah. it's age, or maybe yeah. it's just. But if you did it a handful of times, you would feel fine. I talked to Michael Keaton for like twenty minutes about curling yesterday backstage. About the sports? Yeah. Wow. He just he he did it once, and he thought it was amazing, and we and we're and we're talking, and all of a sudden, I had to step out of my body and go. Yeah. If you had told me when I watched Night Shift like a hundred and fifty times. Oh. That I would be making curling jokes with this guy, like it still, yeah. it still resonates with me. But for some reason, I've I've learned how to compartmentalize it. And you would if you did it more. But I still can't believe. No, I, people must say to you. Like, like here's an example. Like I, I just it's so many things that I think growing up too in the '80s and cable television, you spend so much time with things that like become your canon. Mm-hmm of things that aren't even, like, uh, maybe things that are, like, uh, you know, well, like an example would be, uh, re- uh, not recently, oh, it's strange, like, um, eight years ago, uh, <laughs> I met Mark Singer, uh-huh. the Beastmaster, and uh, he was walking out of a movie theater, and I was like, uh, I'm so sorry, but... I'm such a huge fan, and Kodo and Podo, your <clears throat> gerbils uh, are, are the uh, ferrets. They mean so much to me, and um, that movie, and he said, oh, thank you, and he went to shake my hand. I don't know if you've seen Beastmaster, mm-hmm. but he shakes hands like this. Oh, like uh, the, the, and, uh, the Roman style? He went to shake my hand, and he was oh, thank you so much, and I went like <laughs> that. And, uh, <laughs> and it was without thought. And... Um, so it's things like that, like, um, that these people, I, I mean, I watched that movie a ton growing up, and, uh, you know, so, or someone like Michael Keaton, that would be probably more difficult than most people, because those movies that's of, uh, you know, Beetlejuice and, uh, and also Johnny Dangerously. Johnny Dangerously yeah, is uh, fucking great. very, like, uh, that, that, you know, that's something, like, I saw a lot, and, uh... Yeah, so, anyway, it's not like, um, I would just be nervous. I would be really, uh, I'm really uh, scared, especially, you know, like, and uh, sometimes it'll backfire, but my wife has been so good about, and also having a kid, I'll tell you, for me, like, I'm someone who doesn't do a lot of things that are, hmm, like, I've been asked in the past maybe to do something like, um, would you interview this person or would you want to do it in a magazine? Would you interview this? And I was like, no. And it's because <laughs> I'm afraid. But when I had my child, sort of thought, well, I don't want her to like see or hear a person around the house that's not, who's afraid to do a lot of stuff. Sure. So I like really been aware of like saying, like trying to say yes to things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And it, usually it's un, it's as unpleasant as I imagine it would be. Um, it's, not like, it's not like I was like, hey, who is so afraid of? This is pretty great. It's like, this is, this is terrible, and I, I hate my child right now. Um, uh, why, why did, in a weird way, she make me do this? <laughs> she made you um, do this. But, um, but you know, it's... Uh, so, 
you try to like do things that are the opposite of you. And I remember um, recently I was in Los Angeles and I was walking past a, a coffee shop and uh, Malcolm Gladwell uh-huh. was sitting outside typing on a computer and <gasps> I was thinking, oh, he's writing his book. And so I walked by with my wife and then we... Sexting? He was sexting something? He was sexting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like tilting there. <laughs> anyway, and I uh, walked by and I said to my wife, I was Malcolm Gladwell and I mean, <sighs> I'd love to go... You should go. You should go. I, I can't. He's working, and uh, probably it'll probably be terrible, and it will not be terrible. I promise you. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna go. And um, it's so weird because I walked up, and he was like, um, he was lost in thought, kind of like this, with chin looking off, chin in his top of his hands looking off. And I walked like into his peripheral. Atmosphere, sort of like thinking maybe he will, he'll feel me, he'll feel my presence. <laughs> so I walked up and like he's sort of like where that tea kettle is, and so I went up and I was, and he's like looking at that one, and I was like, and so I was, <laughs> get closer. I was, didn't think, I was like really close. Uh, excuse me. Now I'm like literally, like, and he goes, ah! <laughs> and uh, and uh, kind of like I kind of spooked him, and uh, uh, I was uh, <laughs> so, so upset. And uh, he's like, "Ah, oh yes, hello, yeah, Mr. Glava, I just want to say I'm sorry um, for scaring you, and uh, and I'm a big fan. That's all I want to say. I'm sorry. And I walked away, and it was and I'm like, how'd it go? Huh. I don't know. Pretty good once I got over the fact that I. <laughs> Alarmed him, um, so you know it's tricky with. You like, could have made a dumb joke like, "Sorry to make you blink." Oh, huh? Huh? Up top? No. Sorry, no? I knew I shouldn't have come over here from the second I walked past you. <laughs> Didn't mean to be an outlier in your peripheral <laughs> vision. Sorry, I. Yeah, sorry. Well, well, yes, I saw what the dog saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's also it was helpful. That in the specific situation yesterday, that Mr. Keaton was also really affable and nice. He is, right? Sometimes, like, you know, if you catch someone in a weird moment or that you feel that they're defensive, then, you know, then you just don't push it. And you're like, okay, it's nice to see you. And then then you kind of walk away. But in public, like, will you go up to someone now? Um, for your, you know, these are are instances where you are going to meet with them. Mm -mm. If you're in a restaurant, you're like... Michael Keaton sitting over there. Mm-mm, I wouldn't. Yeah. For the same, for this, because I would never. Go because to I feel like, because in my for you to go like who people yeah yeah in my head it it, it you know where you go like well, I'm gonna say something amazing and we're gonna be friends and we're gonna but in, in and like in certain situations you know like the playing field is level right like if you're in a in an award show and everyone's there and you're all kind of in the same situation mm-hmm. and everyone's nervous everyone's defenses are down. But if they're eating or if they're at a mm-hmm. bar or something... But I think it's also why... But wait, is everyone nervous at an award show? Because I don't go to a lot of those types of things. And last year, Saving Mr. Banks, the movie I was in, was at um, an award-type show. And we, we went and we had a table and I was looking around. I felt, I felt like we were talking about high school. Like everybody here between these awards is getting up and going to the other table, slapping each other on the back. They know each other. And how do they all know each other? You still feel like the outcast. Well, I mean, I literally was like, man, they all seem to talk to each other. They all go to each other's tables. 
all making jokes to throwing like bread to each other. Um, <laughs> what if you threw bread at someone like Jet, hit Jeff Bridges in the face and be like, "What the fuck, kid?" Oh my, who, who threw that? I don't know. I think it was Malcolm Gladwell. He was just uh, Tom Hanks did. Tom Hanks. Did. Um, but I'll tell you too. Like, uh, yeah, sorry. So keep going. No, no. What? But your level playing fields. Yeah, I mean, I, I, no, I'm just so curious about all those people. I guess maybe you're right. They just all feel. Well, a lot of them also socialize, and like they're. I think they probably just see each other, yeah. like you know. And I'm not a big goer outer, and you're yeah. probably not a big goer outer, and so you don't, you just don't really see those people a lot. And so uh, I think it's just a question of um, they're just some of them are just used to being. I don't know. Yeah. But in addition to like the level playing field thing, I just find like at a restaurant or a bar or someone like that that I, I wouldn't because I never feel like. I know how it's going to play out, which is me going, hey, um, I'm a fan of yours, and I'm going, oh, thanks, and then I leave. And and I guess it's fine to do that just to let them know that they're appreciated, but there are some people at a certain level where you're like, yeah, they probably know. I'll, I'll just tell you a story Yes. before the colors, the color coding changes yes. in your calendar, because then it's time for you to go, um, before we go purple, but um, uh, when I... I was in the movie Shop Girl with Steve Martin, right? Yes. And part of the deal was that uh, I had to go and talk to him. Um, I had gone through every other stage of getting the part, but the final sort of thing is that he has to also feel good about you. And, um, you know, I don't know everything about Steve Martin, but I know he's probably a quiet person, and um, I don't want to make him uncomfortable and we're going to have this meeting but part of me is also thinking you know when am I ever going to talk to this guy again and and this is a guy also who had a big uh, was it in a lot of movies I saw growing up of course and one of them Three Amigos that oddly is something that I quote like weekly it's an incredibly um, quotable movie written by the way by Randy Newman mm-hmm. did you know that? I, I did not know that he actually. and Lauren Michaels and Steve Martin and Randy Newman are the screenwriters um, oddly but um, I went to meet with him and I said to myself going in don't talk about Three Amigos <laughs> don't quote it uh, that was a big part of my don't talk about Three Amigos and, and I'm telling you like a mantra almost I walked into that meeting I sat down with him and I said it's such a pleasure to meet you Mr. Martin may I just say right off the bat that Three Amigos <laughs> changed my life and I talk about it all the time and because of that movie, I always wondered what it would be like to like eat a bat um, <laughs> cooked over a fire. It's so, it seems so crunchy the way you're eating it. And, and then you find your, your mouth and, is moving, your brain's and like, it was, stop, stop. It was bad. And I, and I also had done something which was like I, I foresaw a scary thing like this happening and so to kind of keep myself in line, I had written on my palm just a series of like things that I could talk about with him and I was like this talking to him and I was so nervous I looked down and all I saw was just a blue smudge because I had been so clammy that uh, I lost all my, my bullet points uh, and it was uh, it's a great example of how so I guess you should just be yourself and, but it worked out though well at the end it, it seemed to have worked out but but also I could tell that it was he would want to talk about some other some more sure where we were now yeah. Um, probably, but anyway. I think part of it is just sort of realizing that, you know, 
that you're, and this is for anyone in any field, that, you know, that you're an interesting collection of molecules and you have opinions on things and they're just I as guess, valid yeah. as Steve Martin's opinion on things. And, I don't you know, know about that, but, but yeah, but it's, his opinion's the best. That's such a, <laughs> I know, I, you know, as I say this, there are still a couple people that I, you know, like he was one that I pers- that I tried. I pursued the first couple years doing the podcast, yeah. and at a certain point, I was like, mm, no, because I, I just don't. He he may be one of those people that I don't know if I could keep it together. Well, I, I'll tell you, like before you go too, like in, in this one little thing that this movie that listen up, listen up, Philip, that, yeah. that I'm in. Part of it has to do with this young writer who's an asshole who meets his writing kind of literary hero that John, is played by Jonathan Price, who invites him to his uh, home out of the city to sort of get out and think because my character's talking about how upsetting the city is to him. And this is a character who that I play who's really mean, says a lot of terrible things. And despite all these things that I could never imagine saying to people, and the way he treats like his girlfriend and just totally out of the realm of my sort of normal life, I think. Though my wife recently said it's so funny that everyone thinks that this is a stretch for you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just. Um, uh, the idea that this character would accept going to his literary idol's house, that was the biggest stretch in the movie. Like, people are like, so what? Was it hard to play an asshole? And honestly, not as hard as accepting an invitation by someone you did, you admire to go spend some time with them. Like, I would never in a million years. Um, like, I said to the director, Alex Ross Perry, if Brian Wilson or Paul McCartney said, get out of the city, come come to Ojai, uh, <laughs> get out of Los Angeles, come to Santa Barbara, to my estate, I've got a piano there, and you can use my studio. Record, think. I'd say, ah, it's so sweet of you, but I'm feeling sick right now and I really, <laughs> really should probably stay home. I don't think that there would be a way around this. You know what I'm saying? I just... Uh, By the way, Jonathan Price, like, you must have been a Brazil fan. That was tough. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, very hard. In fact, I brought my DVD of Brazil to get signed um, when I met him and I kept it in my backpack and I thought, oh, I was just not going to ask. And then one day, my backpack was open. He's like, what have you got there with a Brazil DVD and your thing? And I was like, I was just... <laughs> My daughter. Gotta get it signed for a friend. <laughs> His name is um, also Jason. It's also Jason. S. Jason S. But he's Jason. It's yeah. not me. Um, but no. Jason Schwartz and the Nager. It's tough with all this shit. I mean, I I definitely have the ability to um, get shut down by these people. But here's the thing, um, because uh, you're. So... I feel bad that you you have to go. I think. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm worried about you having to go. But I, I just want to. I just want to say this. People wait. <laughs> they wait for us. Five. I'm getting. I'm getting the five minute high sign. Because he's got to go. No, we have to go. No, I'm not going on, on yeah. this show. That, yes. She's. Okay. She. She. I, th- I guess her job is to make sure that you get to where you need. This is about managing your calendar. You were just talking about this before. She's trying to help you. Well, I, I'm not leaving. Okay. Well, I just want to say first of all, you're uh, you're so lovely and sweet and wonderful that you should not worry about. He's <laughs> locked <love> the door. <laughs> You had, to, you had to leave at one o'clock. You have a hard out. No, I don't. I don't. I. I. I I'm. I'm good. I'm no, good for not. a little bit. I just saw your face. No, I, I don't saw know the what sort time of change. It is. 
No, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're fine. We're fine. We're totally fine. I don't have to be anywhere for like two hours. So really, yeah, we're good. It's funny how people lie. They do. Everyone, everyone. I heard that you had to leave at one. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, but uh, I, I think you shouldn't. You shouldn't worry about it because you're you're very sweet and you don't have any. Everyone, I think people know right away. Like, hey, this guy is a nice guy. I'm not. He's not trying to be a dick. And so they're not going to be shitty to you. Well, and you're also naturally. I mean, we we had the conversation when you were gracious enough to let us cover uh, oh, West Coast with um, Billy D. Williams. The best. And we were talking, and you're in the video, and you're like, I just like I just like talking to people. Like you, you're naturally inquisitive, and I think that's what would make you good at doing an interview show is because you you really are curious about people. I would love to talk to. Have you ever, by the way, talked to Kurt Russell? No, but I think he'd be amazing. Because earlier when you were talking, I was thinking, because um, one episode particularly of, of yours, and I, I listen to them a lot, is the, the Rick Moranis one, <clears throat> I thought was pretty, it's pretty amazing. Thank you. And um, that was one where I was like, man, everything you're asking him is everything I've wanted to know. And um, by the way, I loved how he was really connecting with you on a radio level. Talking about radio stations and yeah, and uh, he was—he really was talking about device. He really was into listening as a uh, as a as a medium, which I thought that's how he wanted to connect with you. It seemed like in the beginning with music and yeah, and it was interesting. But anyway, um, but I met Kurt Russell last year in the Sundance um, Film Festival. It's elevator door open. He was standing there, and. I tried to walk the other direction, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was like a, um, it like you, there was no way around him. Right. And uh, he's, we shook hands, and I described it at the time as like shaking um, someone's hand who all at once felt like the most masculine hand, but made out of diamonds and feathers. Mm-hmm. It was so he was so soft, and yet. That hand, you know, could crush yours. Of course. And, but that's a guy who's, I could talk, I, I mean, his eyes, it was so twinkly in the eyes, and um, he's someone that I think you should reach out to. I, I think we've he, tried he before. Really? There, there are a couple people that, maybe not, I don't know how hard we, I, I think he would be amazing, and. Big um, Trouble in Little China is, uh, that's one that I watched all growing up a ton. Chinese girls do not have green eyes. Green eyes. <laughs> I fucking love that movie so much. Yeah, it's me, like, Jack Burton. Take like this in their hands. Oh, and Kim Cattrall. Oh, it's the best. Oh, it's just the I'm best. So, I was in love with her since Porky's. Oh, wow. Yes, of course. Yes. And But I, I mean, I've been in love with her since... Yeah, Mannequin. I mean... Mannequin! I mean, that movie... When I saw Mannequin... When you're a kid and you have a crush, it's so hard because you know you will never get to kiss them. Right. There's no way she's going to kiss a seven-year-old. That's why I fucked a lot of mannequins when I was, like, 12. Just because of that. Yeah, none of them came to life. Yeah, they don't come to life. And and, and, and that's why that movie should have had a disclaimer. (laughs) Mannequins do not come to life. You know, Hollywood, the actor played Hollywood, died recently. I know, Meshach Taylor. Yeah, it was so... um, That that? was hard. That was sad. And I I love that. Mannequin 2 as well. There's a mannequin too. Yeah, with Christy Swanson. Yep. I know these things. I know. I know. See, I Christy know. Swanson's another person that I can't do because, like, you know, people. 
it's funny that you know, when we talk about Buffy now, it's like, oh, Sarah Michelle Geller and, you know. She. It, but Christy Swanson, Luke Perry, and Paul Rubens. That's, and that's Buffy. That, that, was a, that was a good Buffy. No, I know. You, you're on a level of knowing things about things that I will never be able to comprehend. I mean, your prowess, it, it's just unbelievable how much you know. I don't know how you know so much. I listen to your shows, and I go... Oh, that like I could have this conversation with with Chris. We could talk about, it. and then he will go somewhere. I'm like, how the fuck does he know that? <laughs> and it's like that's where this it would be over for me. Like, I don't you know, think so. You know you should, a lot. You should do a show. You should do a show because I think this idea. You said something very casually, but I was like, that's a really great concept. Is um, do things that are the opposite of you. You just said that, and well, that's a great. That's well, a fucking great idea. I I was listening to an interview with the artist Chuck Close. Um, who does these giant? Is famous for doing. You know, I really became famous for doing these very photorealistic paintings of people. Giant. I mean, look like photographs from from a distance. Now they they're a bit more abstract. But and he said in the interview, I I chose the style of painting because it's the exact opposite of my nature. By nature, I'm very. Uh, and he said, these paintings take months, six months, to do some of these years. And I'm very impatient as a person, and I'm also very sloppy. And so I chose... It would be very easy for me to make a painting that was just more haphazard. Like, I don't know the word to use, but this is the exact opposite art that I should be making. Which, pretty uh, interesting. That's incredible. Yeah, he like forced himself to do the opposite of what he would naturally want to be doing. Which I, th- I found very uh, perplexing. This is why you need to start talking to people. I honestly, I honestly think on, on. How did you get the Laco? That's amazing. Shit. <laughs> well, I think we got to I think we got to let you go. They really know how to stop you. They really just know how to She's doing she's doing good. She's doing you a favor because you obviously have to Are you doing more press today for Listen Up Philip? Yeah, but this is all I This is all I want to do. Oh, buddy. Well, you're not you live here now, but if you're in Los no, Angeles, I, don't. I thought you lived here. No, I'm living here for a few months. Um, for work, I live in Los Angeles. Well, then you, why are you not calling me to hang? I'm around. No, you're not. I am. No, you're not. Mostly, yes. Okay, a lot. I'm but kind even, of around. But even just email, we've had a lot of fun emails back and forth. And I mean, I spent a lot of time just yeah at home doing nothing. But even if you just want to email me, just I would love stuff. to. But I'll come into the show anytime you you want. Please. And honestly, I think you. I think you would be great on at midnight. I think you would be so great. On at midnight. On at midnight, it's this show I do for Comedy Central. Oh, oh, that I thought you were like because tonight I have a um, a midnight Q and A. Oh, and I thought somehow you were saying you'd be great at it. I was like, you're gonna do great, kid. How's he know I'm doing that show tonight? I know that. What am I gonna be great tonight? How's he know? I'm terrible. <laughs> at minute thirteen. No, I, I, are you kidding me? I would love to do. Good, this. good, good. Okay, good. Well, no, I you're... would love to do. I, I know that. I know that. I would. I would do it in a heartbeat. When you're back, uh, when you're back in town... How do I do that, though? Just email me. But what is the, like, when, like, how does that all work? Well, you just come on and we just crack jokes about the internet, basically. Ah. That's it. It's fun. Well, the internet is a strange place for me because I only really spend a lot of time in a few places, but a lot of time. Yeah, and you don't have to know that much about everything. It's basically just you reacting to things, and we can get people on that you know so that it's like a big group of friends, and it'll be fun. Be really fun. I would. Uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Okay, good. Well, then we'll stay in contact, and then we'll. If you're not doing anything at midnight, you can come to this. I have to fly back to LA because I have to start work tomorrow. <laughs> what is that? Why are you holding up a Macho Man? Oh, is that Rowdy Roddy? Yeah. Oh, that's Rowdy Roddy Piper. 
What was the movie he was in again? They Live? Yeah. No, but what was the other one he was in? It was another one, too, I think. Was, uh... Was a more romantic... Um, They Live to Kiss Each Other? No, there was another one that wasn't They Live. Was he in uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days with Kate? Let's look it up. Okay. Let's look him up as we're going. Rowdy Rowdy Piper. IMDb. For the dismount, we're going to go to to IMDb. Because I think, um... (laughs) The, uh, what was the, the guy, guy name with the rubber bands in his hair? Uh, Captain Lou Albano. He was also in this movie as a, I think, a big <laughs> All over. You ever seen uh, this, this movie, The Pervert's uh, Guide to Ideology with Zizek? I just, I just rent, I bought it on, uh, our, our, I put it in a Netflix queue or you something. get it. I just saw Zizek on the street, and I stopped and said I should go back and talk to him, but I didn't. See, you're, we're going to help you break out. Oh my God. His, his acting credits he's been, he's been in 261 things he's in A Bug's Life go early 94 is it, is it more like it's 80s okay 89 he was in the big picture hmm Fright Night 2 Raymond Williams Overboard oh yeah he's in Overboard The Wind in the Willows Mr. Toad's Wild Ride <laughs> Gobots Oh my, I am so <laughs> delighted by Rowdy Roddy Piper's Ooh, resume. He's done a lot. Fright Night. I'm Holly here who would be so bummed that he's missing this part of this conversation. This Girl for Hire, Small and Fry. Fairytale Theater. Tales of the Gold Monkey, I remember that. We Fairytale Theater with Shelley Duvall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, he was in Fantasy Island. There's one that's like romantic. He was on Mork and Mindy, apparently. So heart to Heart. Too. Well. Okay, so now we're in the 70s. Would it be that no, far back? No, no. Well. And he was in The Cat from Outer Space. Who is he in uh, Overboard? Is he Kurt Russell's buddy? I don't know, but maybe we do a Russell Piper uh, Earth Angel. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. No, he's more romantic. Uh... Yeah, it's definitely not They Live. It's definitely not a man... But anyway, you should get the idiot's guide, uh, the pervert's guide to ideology because it opens with they live. Say that that's like the perfect movie to describe ideology because you put on his glasses and all of a sudden you see things for what they really are. Oh. Zizek blows my mind. He talks about, um, what's that kind of candy, that like chocolate egg? Cadbury eggs? No, the other kind that has like a toy in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the European thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like Kinder? Yeah, he's like, this is a perfect example of why things are backwards. That we eat through the chocolate, the sweet, bad chocolate, to get this present. When really, it should be the present and then the chocolate on the inside. Like, it was like, I was like, oh. Eat through the present. God. You know what we should do is just, let's, uh, uh, let's get a picture on the couch, like one of those um, interviews. Was that all right? That was amazing. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front-row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. 
Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.